Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, this is The Bright Side with Technisha. A daily broadcast on real-life issues that will keep you motivated. And now, here's your host, Technisha. Right, everybody, walk and talk and move your body because now you're tuning into another episode, <clears throat> excuse me, of the Bright Side with Technician. Today is November the 21st, 2014. Good afternoon, and I'm so glad to be here with you. And I hope everybody is getting ready for Thanksgiving, getting ready for the relatives that you love and some that you don't love. Just make sure you keep all the knives put away and have a good glass of wine out. <laughs> but anyhow, I have again here with me Jeff Rasley. From remember the first time when he came onto the show, we was talking about third world countries, um, hiking, everything of that sort. If you don't remember, you can always archive it at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Technisha Day or go to brightsidewithpk.com. But anyhow, Jeff is here with me again. We're talking about his new book, Godless Living a Valuable Life Beyond Belief. And this has always been an argument beyond talking about should gays get married. This is a controversial topic when you're talking about beliefs and values. But we're going to leave the chat box open. Do call in at 347-426-3751 with intelligent questions, and we will definitely welcome you in. So we're going to get this thing started and rolling. So shake, rally, and roll, as my other guest said. Jeff, welcome back. It's good that you're taking out the time again to come on to the show. Well, thank you, Technisha. It's Thanksgiving week coming up, so I'm giving thanks for getting to spend time with you again. That's right. That's why I tell people, give thanks. You never know when your last words might be, so give thanks. Be appreciative for the small things that you have probably been overlooking because we always look at the bigger picture, but it's time to take a part in looking at the small picture. Now, Jeff, you have an interesting book here, and it seems like it might cause a lot of controversy with it because we're talking about beliefs and we're talking values and religion now. So we get real deep into this. So what what was your 
intentions on writing this book? Well, the book has three parts to it. And the first part is a criticism of all of the problems that are caused in our world by people um, thinking that their own beliefs are absolutely the right ones and anybody who doesn't agree with their beliefs uh, are wrong. And then the, the, the second part uh, is a description of how we can live by a system of values rather than, in, in other words, guiding our lives with positive values rather than trying to follow uh, a particular belief system. And then the third part uh, gives examples of how to do that, and it bases, it, it takes um, two different communities, a little village up in the Himalayas in Nepal, which you and I talked about last time, and uh, uh-huh, and a, a Quaker community here in Indianapolis, and then it uses six values that Quakers emphasize to show you know, how you can guide your life using these particular six values, but those are just examples. It's not supposed to be an exclusive or exhaustive list. Right. You know, Jeff, before we even get started with the question, I just want to say I'm amazed because you wrote bad poetry as a teenager and short stories in college, and now look at you. You're writing articles, periodicals, everything on blogs, you you all over the internet now. You're author of so many books. So, you know, I say that is a great start. This is a this is a lesson to be learned. Regardless if you start off as a bad writer, you can always entail to be a good writer. You just have to keep working at it. No like I said, no one woke up in one day and was great at anything that they do. It takes practice, it takes skill and you have to just stay focused. But now my question is this, Jeff would you consider yourself a moralist? Um, yeah, in a way. Um, I mean, what what I try to describe in the book is an ethical way to leave, live, a moral way to live um, in the sense of uh, advocating that we, most all people, share some basic fundamental values. Uh, and you can break those fundamental values down into two very simple ones, which are really um, stated in the Judeo-Christian rule of love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you take that in kind of simple, common-sense terms, what that means is take care of yourself and, Mm -hmm. when you can, give aid to your to your neighbor or, you know, help, help those in need when you're able right. to. So take, you know, take good care of yourself, take care of others when you're able to. And it's, it's that simple. And out of that flows various other values like, you know, kindness, generosity, courage, integrity, so on and so forth. But instead of approaching life that way, Um, People who think that they have the one true faith, whether it's religious or political, divide the world into believers 
and unbelievers. And the worst case of that that we're seeing right now in the news is the so-called Islamic State. You know, these mm-hmm. people these people are killing people. They're killing other Muslims uh, because the, they think they have the one true, correct religious and political belief, and anybody who doesn't agree with them doesn't even deserve to live. Right. Right, and that's been going on in so many of these third world countries. If you're not on the same page with them, then you get beheaded, and it's so it is it's so crazy, and it's still going on like that, honey. I, I that's why I can't go to one of them. I'm sorry, Jeff. I can't go to one of them countries. I don't have time for that. I don't, and you know, I do. Um, as you said in your book, regrettably, as Lewis Carroll's scary, crazy Queen of Hearts goes on to illustrate, which we're talking about the Queen from Alice in Wonderland. People do act on their irrational beliefs. <laughs> exactly. Now, here, let me give you an example, which is in the book, of uh, living according to values versus beliefs. So yes, go to, to any huge city. Um, take Manhattan. Go out on the streets of Manhattan. There's a million people walking around, all different races, cultures, languages, most of these people can't even speak to each other. Yet somehow all that pedestrian traffic is able to move around. Uh, people swerve in and out. And why is that? It's because each of us values our own personal space and we respect the personal space of other people. So we're operating when we're walking around on those sidewalks on the value system of respect for personal space. So we weave in and out, we step out of the way. If somebody's walking towards us, they step out of our way, and it works. Now, take somebody who believes that they have the right of way if they walk on the right side of the sidewalk. And anybody Mm -hmm. who gets in their way can be knocked down, knocked out of the way, because this is the right way to do it, and I believe this. That's the way religious and political fanatics operate because they think that they, so long as they're uh, operating based on their beliefs, anybody who gets in their way can be pushed pushed aside. But if you're operating on common values, you find ways to accommodate each other. And, of course, one of the fundamental values flowing out of the love your neighbor as yourself is tolerance. We tolerate our neighbors. They're different than we are. So, uh, you know, that that's the, the distinction that, that I try to make and that I argue why we would all be better off if we just let go of these belief systems that we worship. You know, the title has godless in it. I don't really mean mm-hmm. that you know it's wrong to believe in God. What I think it does harm is to believe in the particular religious beliefs that people claim you have to have to believe in God the way they do, because they're really they're worshiping their their beliefs. They aren't worshiping God. And that, and that's why right. they think they can kill people who don't agree with them. And just, 
Peter Kassig, the young man who was just beheaded this last week, he's from my neighborhood. (laughs) And I didn't know, I didn't know Peter, but I know people who knew him. Um, A good friend of mine is his Peter's father's best friend. And this is just, this is an awful, awful thing that's, that's happened. And, you know, it's, the pain has spread out, not just through our neighborhood, but through, really through the entire world. And, you know, how can you do that to another human being? What gives you the, the in your own twisted mind, the right to do that? Well, in their Why? twisted mind, they had the right to do it because Peter was not a, a true believer. So, Jeff, okay, would you really consider yourself like a atheist? No. Um, okay. If an atheist <clears throat> has a belief system. And, right, they do. Well, yeah, and so it's you can't win an argument to either prove the existence of God or to prove the non-existence of God. It's just it's not possible either way because uh, there just isn't evidence to support. And, you know, people, scholars and philosophers and theologians have been arguing about this for thousands of years. And if one side came up with the proof that really works, then we'd all be convinced and the argument would be over. But, but you know, it, 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 it isn't over because neither side can prove that. So what I say from an intellectual standpoint in terms of what do I know the the reasonable position is agnosticism which is I don't know I don't know if God exists I don't know if God doesn't exist but what I think is that there is tremendous value by uh, being involved in a religious community um, which advocates the positive values that most religions advocate. You know, you take any of the the great religions, Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, you know, they all agree on so many things. they, They all agree on love your neighbor as yourself. All of them do. But where they disagree is when they start coming up with these various beliefs. You know, the, the, like Christians, the Trinity, God is three in one. God is Jesus, Jesus is God, and they're both the Holy Spirit. Well, for hundreds of years, Christians were killing each other over <laughs> whether that was the correct interpretation or not. And then you stop and you think, wait a minute, what difference does it make? I mean, what what value is there in believing God is Jesus, Jesus is God, and they're both the Holy Spirit. It doesn't make any difference. What really makes a difference is how are you going to live? And if you try to live by the ethic that's promoted by Christianity and you participate in a Christian community, well, that's a really good life. Right. But, you know, and I tell them Jeff, in one way, I am kind of understanding the thing about believing more in values instead of religion. I mean, when you kind of look at it and scope it all, I mean, I don't think most of these religion, these religious leaders sometimes have a clue because they are so hung up on 
the fact of what book might tell them to think, you know, um, rather than experiencing it for themselves. Well, I think the worst combination or a, a formula for really bad things to happen is you take a charismatic leader who has come up with a belief system that he or she claims is the absolute truth and then starts promoting that and gathering followers. Uh, and you see that over and over and over again throughout history in big ways and little ways. Like from here in Indianapolis, Jim Jones um, started out as a preacher with a small church. He was a very charismatic personality. He developed mm-hmm. that into the Pe- People's Temple, which is the group that ended up over in Guyana. And when he told over 900 of his followers to swallow uh, poison Kool-Aid, they all they committed mass suicide. And you know that that's a small one. Compare that to yeah. Adolf Hitler. It's the same thing. He was a very charismatic personality. We, it's hard for us to see. You know, I mean, he looks like this little guy with this weird mustache shouting. And yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to the Germans, uh, there was something about him that was really compelling, and he had this, you know, Nazism, this belief system that he claimed was the truth, and got most of the German people to follow him, and we know what happened. And so, you know, if these guys, instead of advocating a belief system like that, where, you know, you're right or you're wrong, what if what they had been advocating was love your neighbor as yourself, take good care of yourself, help other people when you can, and what they worked on is helping people understand how to take good care of themselves and how to help others when they're in need, you know, and you try to contrast that and it's, uh, you know, you, at least I can't help but come to the conclusion those guys would have been doing something good instead of the evil that they perpetrated. Right. I really, when you look at it, I, why be a follower of probably religion? You know, because, I mean, religion does not equal spiritual, but I do think that if you do have children, they need this strong spiritual foundation early in life because I think that gives them that confidence, the roots, the support. But to me, most religions, they're they're stuck in the past. People don't want to change, and I think that's the problem when it comes to religion. You have a problem with making a change, and I don't think you have to forget what happens in the past, but we don't have to relive it year after year, month after month. Well, you know, if you look at what most churches do most of the time, it's good. I mean, to gather people together, to worship, to sing, to pray, to uh, hear a message, that's a good thing. And churches do lots of good things. They support good causes. They help the needy. They support Mm -hmm. food banks. They have fun and enjoyable activities for their members. You know, they sponsor volleyball groups or dances for teenagers. You know, they do all these great things. But then, for so many of them, at some point, they start talking about how, well, you have to believe A, B, C, and D. And if you don't, then you're not a real Christian. 
or you're not a real Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Catholic, whatever. And it's like, wait, stop. Just don't go there. And think how it, all churches would then be inclusive. You know, no, nobody would be excluded because, well, you know, I don't believe that St. Paul actually had a uh, an encounter with Jesus on the road of Damascus. I mean, what difference does it make whether that really happened or it didn't happen? Like you said, you know, reliving the past that happened 2,000 years ago. What's important is, you know, what do we do with the message of Jesus? What do we do with the message of Buddha, of Krishna, and so forth? And, you know, what all the, the, the great positive religious leaders were advocating was take good care of yourself live a good life, be healthy, and look out and help others when you can. And that's values. Right. And those that you mentioned in your book, you could prove values. You can't prove religion, but you could prove values. You can't prove that. And that is true. When you really think about it, Jeff, I cannot prove that because this person was good, that their spirit is automatically going to go to heaven. There's no proof in that. Unless you have had an out-of-body experience and have done that, then right on. But other than that, there is no proof of that, and you make that you make that known in your book. You're not trying to twist anyone's arm, as you said in the beginning. Hey, if you don't want to go any farther, you might as well get your money back and refund it, <laughs> get a refund. But it is that you think about it logically, that is true. Can anybody really prove it? No, no one probably can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, your example is right on. I mean, so prove to me that there's a heaven or there's a hell, um, which so many churches and religions are so concerned about. Well, you can't. You're right. You can't do it. But now I can prove to you that when you're generous, you feel good about yourself and you help somebody else. That's objective. You know, you you uh, volunteer at a food bank or something. You're going to go away with that, with a feeling. That feeling is real. It's right there. It's you. Okay, did that feel good? And you look at, you just help people. That's objective. That food went into those other those people's homes and fed their families. Okay, so... <laughs> You know, there is solid, concrete proof that living by the value of generosity was a good thing. <laughs> now, prove that if, as a Catholic, uh, somebody receives extreme unction before they die and they go to heaven. That, how do you prove it? You can't. So what what real good do those sorts of beliefs do? I think all they do is they divide us. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and and it's the same is true on the political side. Uh, you know, we've mostly talked about religion, but uh, I have a, a number of examples uh, in the book about uh, how this works on the political side. And like one of the first I use is the budget deficit. So you have Republicans on the right side. I mean, right wing side saying, you know, we should never have a budget deficit. The government should never spend more money than it has. 
And on the left side, you have the Democrats saying, you know, whenever there's a problem to address, the government should spend money on it to fix the problem. doesn't matter how much it costs. We'll worry about that later. And so now you have two opposing beliefs, and you, how do you compromise? If, you, if each side truly believes that, then you can't compromise. But if you looked at what do we value, you're going to find a lot of agreement. Like, do we, do, do we need a new bridge over this river where two communities are separated? Whether you're right-wing or left-wing, you're probably going to look at it, and if it makes sense, you're going to say, yeah, we need that bridge. Okay, so let's spend money to build that bridge. And, you know, Republicans, even who don't want to go into a deficit, are pro- if they really see the need for it, they're going to agree with that because it's based on, a, on valuing, you know, their own community. Um, so... Uh, you know, as you can tell, because you've read the book and we've talked, uh, I, I find myself sort of almost baffled at how so much of this just seems obvious to me. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not a great thinker. I don't have a PhD. Uh, but it's, you know, life life tells you these these teaches you these lessons, and I, I really wish our uh, our political and religious leaders would learn them. And I half suspect they really understand this, but they're they're operating on a different value system, which is promote yourself. Okay. Well, you know, because as you did put in your book, Religion and Politics are different beliefs. But this is the question, because you did ask this. Why is it that educated people that live in this 21st century choose to believe in things in the Bible when we don't have that proof at all, Jeff? Yeah, and first of all, I think a lot of people who say they believe them don't really believe them. I mean, you know, an example is, so you read in the Bible, Moses encounters this burning bush, and and God talks to Moses through this burning bush. Now, if somebody comes up to you on the street and said, "Um, you know, I just was talking to this burning bush, and that was God, and God told me such and such, you'd call mental health because you'd know this person is hallucinating and, and needs help. And yet, good Christians, Jews, and Muslims are supposed to believe that that actually happened. And um, so do they really, uh, I think a lot of people just say they do, because we want to conform. We want to fit in. We don't want to be considered an unbeliever or a heretic. And so I think I think that's part of it. The other part of it is we want to be we want to belong to a community that either our parents were in and our families have been for generations mm-hmm. where we decided to join. And so if that's what it takes to get in, then we'll go along with it and we'll at least we'll try to believe in these superstitious things. And then the third piece of it 
um, I think is that we want, and and this goes back to what you said about uh, bringing up your children, you know, we want to participate in communities that are positive, that are, that are uplifting, and we want to to raise our kids in that kind of an environment. And the reality is, for, for most of us, those religious and political communities, I mean, political parties, they're the same way, you know, they require you to say that you believe all their, their doctrines and, and their ideologies. And so you think, oh, well, you know, it's it's worth sacrificing sort of rationality to uh, to go along with these beliefs. Now, some of the beliefs, and the one one I particularly emphasize in the book, actually do have positive effects. For example, mm-hmm. to, to believe in heaven, um, right? Your, you know, if if your child dies or a love, any loved one dies, and you believe I'm going to be reunited with that person after I die, you know, that's a comforting thought. And, you know, it's a, it's a hard thing to to live with. The reality is that I don't know. I mean, the objective reality is I don't know what happens after death. But if I believe... Yeah, but if I believe I'm going to live on and I'm going to be reunited with my love, that's comforting, and and I recognize the value in that. But what I what I do say to that is, but what is really even more comforting? Isn't it even more comforting the objective reality of people who love you coming to you, putting their arms around you, bringing you food? coming to right. the now, funeral. Yeah, I mean, the the reality of being loved. Right. Now, that's comfortable to me, Somebody knowing somebody's there for me. Because you're right. We don't know what's going to happen after death. And I think people choose to believe in something because that's all they have to believe in, regardless if it's true or not. Like, you might think, for let's take, for example, Jeff, you have uh, in your mind, you're thinking, oh, they're going to get better. They're going to get better. But truly, you know that they're going to still be the same person day after day. Today, so decide when they want to get help, and who knows when that's going to be. So I think people do the Bible the same way, regardless if you know it or not, if you have done your history, because I think history always plays a part in everything in order to connect with the Bible. Because who's to say what's really true in the Bible? I wasn't there with Moses. I don't know if he talked to the burning bush. I don't know if he opened the Red Sea. I'm looking at Ten Commandments. I don't know. I'm reading for what I was taught from my parents. But at the same time, people choose to believe on something that that's comfortable to them. They don't. Some people don't care. They choose not to know. And I feel like this, if the Bible is not true or if it is filled with errors, then I guess Christianity and any other religion probably will only be a blind faith something people believe while well, any evidence to support it. Yeah, and the thing is, if people have these beliefs that they're not rational and they're superstitious, mm-hmm. but but they tolerate everybody else's beliefs, then, you know, fine. It's, you know, I might want to argue with them about it, but so what? Walking around with beliefs in your head 
uh, as long as they're not harmful, uh, okay. Um, but but where, yeah, but where it gets dangerous and where it gets harmful is when you insist that your beliefs are the right ones and anybody who disagrees with you, yeah. Wrong. Right. That's a problem for me. Right. I I agree with that a hundred percent. That is a problem for me. We can we can disagree. We can agree to disagree all day, but once it starts becoming a battle, okay, you're right and I'm wrong. Then it's like, oh, time to time to scoot back now. I I got to go fifty feet away because it's not what it's supposed to be. Every day, I had one gentleman I talked about before on my show, Jeff, and he said that I was wrong. He was telling me I was wrong for believing in God. And I kind of went back with him like, no, you're wrong. And then I had to back away like, seriously, I'm not going to do this because it's always going to be that battle, whether there's a God or not. I don't I do not do that. I, I, I think and believe it's a God, so I'm going to leave it as that. I mean, like you said, sometimes our values and beliefs come from our parents or what they teach us. But then when you get older, that's when you, even for my babies, I'm only teaching them what I know. But when they get older, it's up to them to go out and find out their own true answers, to find out their history. It's not going to be on me to do that. I'm going to leave that responsibility up to you. So, yeah, anytime they get into those type of debates, yeah, I walk the other way. I'm not going to sit here and argue all day because we don't know who's right or wrong. We don't know if God intended for this person to be gay or not. We don't know, but we argue about it. Oh, you're gay. You're wrong. You're you're a blasphemy to the community. We don't know that. How do we not know if they weren't born gay? We don't. We don't have that answer. It's not proven to us. I, I don't think any scientific evidence can even prove that to us. But um, we're gonna go to a short commercial break, and we're gonna come back with Jeff because this is becoming a wonderful topic. Don't forget to call in at three four seven four two six three seven five one. We'll be right back after this. There's only one station that will keep you happy. Blog Talk Radio. We're taking more of your calls at 347-426-3751. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this commercial break. I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Well, it has been a boast on social media about a dress that has over 500,000 glass pearls and over 400,000 crystals, including Swarovski crystals. And this dress weighs 400 pounds. It's extravagant. Trust and believe me, but I don't think I will actually be wearing it. But it's great to know that it is a dress out there. 
like that. I don't know who actually want to put it on, but it's a vision. And, and uh, of course, the woman who created she's a visionary artist and a designer and a bee sculptor, 57 years old, and she has it in her warehouse just outside of Minneapolis. So good luck to that one. <laughs> but anyhow, we're back with Jeff Rasley. We're talking about his new book out called God is Living a Valuable Life Beyond Beliefs and not trying to turn you away or get you to be fussy about this type of subject. We just try to open your eyes to new things. And if not, as Jeff said in his book, you can always get your refund back. And if you feel like, oh, it's just not right, run the other way. But other than that, keep an open mind if you're used to that type of stuff. But, Jeff, as we were getting into it, you know, about, people having this blind faith um, and just going on their own resources, not knowing which way to really go. Yeah, uh, and, you know, it's interesting, the the term blind faith. Uh, yes, you know, who, who among us <clears throat> would choose to be blind? Um, I have a cousin who's blind, who's a wonderful, delightful person, um, but she would certainly not have chosen to be blind if if she had had the choice, but yet people who are uh, religious fanatics or political fanatics choose to be blind. I mean, that's kind of weird, isn't it? It is. It, it is. That is that. And I mean, for you, for her to have to go through that, did she... Did she put her faith in God or? Um, no, she's uh, she's not uh, a religious person. She's a, a very spiritual person, but she's a wonder. In fact, she's a great example of somebody who lives a life that's guided by values. She's extremely kind. She's. You know, she's the sort of person when you're around her, and her, her name is Melissa Hudson, uh, where you come away thinking, and I thought I had problems and I had some reason to feel depressed. Man, what's wrong with me? Because here's someone who's struggling with blindness and some other health issues, and she's so positive. I mean, she's just, she laughs, she's happy. She, you know, she's the life of the party. And it's because she, you know, she doesn't want to be a downer. Um, she values, uh, you know, taking care of herself. She values, you know, being self-reliant, and she values uh, uplifting other people. And she works on a, a number of good causes. She's really involved with uh, guide dogs, uh, and she's also the treasurer of our Basa Village Foundation. So she she gives a lot of time to good causes. Well, see, that's what that's what I, I'm glad to hear that because you know I don't think you have to be anything. You don't have to be Christian, Baptist to enjoy life. You don't have to be religious. And more and more and more people, such as your sister, are finding those alternative ways to just express their beliefs. Um, as we said, atheism, humanism is one of them. You know, people are becoming in touch that this one life is all we know and we have. That's what it's all about. I mean, I'm not knocking. I don't want to be thinking I'm evil or, oh, she's satanic. No, I'm looking at it for what it is. This is called keeping an open mind, and I, I do see it. Yeah, and n- not knowing 
whether there's God or not doesn't at all mean that you're not spiritual. Um, I mean, I'm in awe of the world that we live in, and I am so grateful that I'm alive and I that I get to be alive and that I'm part of that. Now, Amen. whether, you know, whether that goes back to a, a creative force that we call God or whether it just happened, I don't know. I, I don't know, but it makes me feel worshipful. It, it fills my spirit with, uh, like I said, with awe, with joy. And so, you know, so I want to use that. I want to use that positive energy and right. let it, uh, you know, let it go out into the world and, and affect other people positively. And uh, technician, you know, something you said about it's sort of like <clears throat> there's a difference between beliefs and opinions, and people I think often confuse that. And mm-hmm. if if we would treat religious and political beliefs more like opinions. It, it would make the world much easier to for all of us to navigate through and get along. Because if you have an opinion like, okay, I think this, my opinion is the stock market is going to go up. And I base that opinion on some evidence and research and so forth. But I'm willing to change my opinion when I see more evidence and when or if somebody can show me I'm mistaken. Um, so we're we're willing to change opinions when we get more information. Um, but a belief, if you hold a belief, you're not supposed to change it, no matter what. I mean, if, for example, you you know you're supposed to believe in Noah's Ark and <laughs> all the animals uh, in the world, two by two, got into this ship, um, but. If scientists could somehow prove that there never was a flood in any time, like when Noah was supposed to have existed, that that just it didn't happen, and they had conclusive proof, would you change your belief? Well, if you're a true believer, you're not supposed to change your belief no matter what. But on the other hand, what sense does that make? What value is there in holding a belief that, you know, could possibly be untrue? You know, why right. why hold it? I mean, you might have an opinion like, you know, okay, I've read about it, and it seems like uh, during those ancient times there was a big flood, and, and it, it seems reasonable that somebody would have tried to save animals so... You know, my opinion is there was a guy named Noah who did that. Or it might be the opposite. You know, that doesn't really make sense to me, so my opinion is I I don't think that happened. Okay, well, you and I are not going to go to war (laughs) over having a disagreement in terms of an opinion. Yet people will go to war and kill each other if it's a matter of belief. Right, isn't that, and that's that's amazing that our beliefs really take us to that point. And that's also, you mentioned that in your book, if if I believe the mark of ham means dark-skinned people are unclean or inferior, and I'm an employer, I would discriminate against African-Americans at higher. If my interpretation of Shinto is that Japanese are innately superior to all other racial ethnic groups, 
I will have contempt for the people of other nations. So this is something that's arriving. I think, like, that's where religion comes out of it. It's all about beliefs. That's that's the point of going back through ancient history. Beliefs. We felt inferior to to white people years ago. So that's where discrimination started from. I mean, and it had nothing to do with religion. One, oh, you're a Baptist, so I don't like you. No, you're black, and I don't like you. Or you look like you're Chinese, so I don't like you. It's all all this plays a part in it. But I guess the question would be, too, to most people, what's the purpose of life if, since we've talked about afterlife, what's the purpose of life if you don't believe in an afterlife, Jeff? Well, I think the the purpose of life uh, goes back to those two fundamental values. It's to have a good life for myself, to experience in, in, during my life the, the things that interest me, that I want to experience, to, to do the good things I want to do, um, you know, to live fully. Uh, and then when I am able to, to help others to make the world a better place for our species uh, and also for the entire world. And, I mean, that seems to me to be what the, the really important message of all that religions are and all political ideologies, too. I mean, they bring in all these superstitions and these sort of uh, utopian ideals of the afterlife or... Uh, uh, you know, the pots and so forth. Um, but <clears throat> in terms of what you're supposed to do on a daily basis, most religions and most political ideologies are advocating be a good person and help other people. Um, you know, and whether if heaven exists and I get rewarded for living a good life, then hooray. If it doesn't exist, well, you know, so it goes. Uh, it doesn't exist, and I lived a good life. Right. Who right? Look. Who right? Either way, it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> yeah, and and the the thing is, um, whether it does or it doesn't, why would I want to push somebody away from me because they had a different belief about it? I mean, why, why do that? And you know, you, the the point about you know what the, the Bible, the Bible has been used, and all holy books have been used to push people away from each other over and over. I mean, there are two passages in the Bible that were used to justify slavery, and good, decent people in all other ways. You know, really good, decent people in all other ways accepted that because my pastor tells me that the Bible affirms slavery, it's okay for me to hold slaves or it's it's okay for me mm-hmm. uh, to fight to maintain slavery. Um, you know, that I mean, what a terrible thing. I mean, what a terrible thing that a couple words <clears throat> in this book were used uh, to justify the the horrors that were caused to you know hundreds of thousands of people, and it's still still going on. You know that's right. the sort of thing that why beliefs are really are harmful. Okay, 
say that, the more I'm understanding your reasons for not going with the belief of religion, because that's how that's how it was. Bible, is, like you said, Bible still used against us today. People would throw the Bible up. Oh, you're not right. Why well, I'm not right? You don't go to church. Okay, you're going to hell. Does it say I'm going to hell because I don't go to church? I, I don't think. I don't. I don't think so because I missed the. Because I've been out for a year, so now I'm going to hell. I don't understand. So how are you judging? How are you so judgmental about that? Like, I mean, people take they do they take the Bible way out of proportion. You be like, there is nothing about to say that, but you all made your own context and took your own out and did your own findings. Like, really? So, um, I guess Jeff, do you think that science can really solve mankind's problems? Well, I think science has a method for solving problems, which religion doesn't have. And I think if we look at social and economic problems the way scientists look at problems, we'd all be better off. Because, um, you know, tell you, okay, in the news right now, immigration. President Obama spoke on immigration, and we're all in a big hubbub, and Republicans are going to block what the president does and file lawsuits and, you know, fight, fight, fight. Now, what if we step back from our beliefs about immigration and we thought about, okay, what as a country do we really value? Well, as a country, traditionally, we have valued letting people come here, helping give them opportunities to have a better life. Okay? You know, who disagrees with that? I mean, you hear Republicans who are opposed to opening up immigration saying that they believe in that and that they value it. So, okay, now if we can focus on the values that we all agree on, how do we actually live by those values? And certainly it would not be a good thing to just open up the borders and let anybody and everybody who wants to come in. Um, You know, uh, there are only so many jobs here. So, you know, we we can't support the entire world. (laughs) No, we can't. You know, we we can't. But, you know, speaking on that, like you said, these people, they come to the United States. These foreigners, they come to the United States for that promise of that freedom and that opportunity. But I believe that our current immigration system, as you put it, it's broken in the United States. Families are separated. These people are dying just across the board, and there's no rapid discrimination against immigrants. I mean, how we treat newcomers, to me, just reflects the values of fairness and equality that supposed to define us as a country. Yeah, and, you know, every politician stands up and says something like, "The our immigration system is broken. We all agree it's broken. So now let's approach it like a scientist or like a doctor would. Let's say, you know, a doctor, you come into a doctor's office, you're a patient, and you're broken, you, you know, you're sick. Uh, so what the doctor looks at the symptoms He tries to figure out what's causing the problem, and then he tries to figure out what can I do to cure this problem. 
Now, what if our politicians approached immigration that way instead of approaching it with, I have a right-wing or I have a left-wing ideology, and that tells me that I ought to either be be against or I ought to be for immigration reform. What if they all just looked at it like, okay, we're all elected to be doctors to try to cure the illnesses of our country? And, you know, there probably would still be some disagreements. I mean, two doctors are not always going to agree. You know, that's why you get a second opinion. But the difference is if they approach it as this is a problem to be solved as opposed to... I have to promote my ideology and I have to push my belief system. Uh, you know that you, you're just fighting instead of working together. Exactly. Well, Jeff, I would have to say I'm thankful that you came onto the show to enlighten us with this, and I hope a lot of people out there have chosen to open their minds to this to this new well. New belief, whatever they want to call it. I hope that they do go out and get your book. And, Jeff, if you don't mind telling the listeners where they could purchase your book at. Well, it's available on paperback and ebook through Amazon. So if you go on to Amazon.com, you can find it by um, just putting in my name or the title of the book. Uh, and I have a website, um, which uh, provides information about our foundation and, and also has uh, a list of each of my books. So, and that website is j e f f r e y r a s l e y dot com. So, just my name, Jeffrey Rasley dot com, and you could find the book through there or through the <laughs> through Technisha's uh, blog site. Right, you definitely can because I have it listed where you could get it's available through Amazon, and you can also get it through Kindle uh, for three dollars and forty nine cents. It's still going, um, but <laughs> after that, I think it's like nine ninety five. But definitely with Kindle, I got it for three forty nine. But I think this would be a great book for you to just have on your bookshelf. God is living a valuable life beyond belief, as Jeff put it. Beliefs divide us, values unite us. Fight balance with values something that's always going to be argumental anyway. But, Jeff, thank you again for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Oh, happy Thanksgiving to you too, Technisha. It's always a delight to talk to you, and I'll look forward to our next one. All right, I will too. Well, have a blessed one, Jeff. Thank you. You take care. You too. And before I leave you listeners, the truth of the day is this. Recapture the energy of youth by feeling light, lighthearted and acting playful. Never lose the joys that bring out the child in you. You can capture this lighthearted feeling by taking breaks from your adult roles and coming out to play. Observe children at play or get involved in grown-up playtime such as sports, walking, bicycling, picnicking. Laughter comes easily when you discover the art of playing. The world is fascinating when seeing through childlike eyes of fun and laughter. Today, tap into your enthusiasm of being childlike. Enjoy the day and have lots of fun this weekend while you play, everybody. Happy holidays to you, and I'll catch you the next time on the Bright Side with Technisha. God bless.
Thank you for tuning in to The Bright Side with Tanisha. Come back daily from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. God bless.